Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VidFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Mullineau. For information about VidFriends classes, support groups for youth, teens, and adults, visit us at www.vidfriends.org. For questions or comments, you can email us at support at vitfriends.org. BitFriends podcasts are now sponsored by my Vitiligo team. Welcome to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. On today's show, I'd like to welcome Dr. Nat. Welcome, Nat. Thank you so much for having me this evening. You're welcome. So before we get started with our conversation, can you formally introduce yourself and tell our listeners what you do for a living, and um, maybe a little bit about some of your uh, background, schooling, um, anything else you want to share with us? Okay, great. Well, I am Dr. Natalie Montague. I am a resident in Raleigh, North Carolina. been here for a while, but originally from um, Brooklyn, New York. I have a, have a few degrees, but I will start off. I have a doctorate in organizational leadership and management and industrial psychology and I also have a degree in psychology as a neuropsychologist. I have my own business, Art of Life Consultations, where I am a life coach. And I also uh, deal with individuals with PTSD and cognitive behavior therapy, better known as CBT. And I do not um, do a whole lot of group therapy, but I have done some group therapy, but I really specialize with individuals one-on-one, especially the military community, being former military myself. I I know some of the pains and strife that military individuals and their families have gone through. I work full-time for the state of North Carolina as an organizational industrial psychologist and part-time for federal government for the DIA and DOD as a neuropsychologist. So here I am, and like I said before, I'm just grateful for uh, me to be here and have uh, Mark have me on his show. Uh, Mark and I are fraternity and sorority sister brother. He's a- Yes, we are. I'm a Zeta, Great <laughs> Shaw University. Um, yes, indeed. And I am still a, an active and financial member, by the way, of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated with the Sigma Xi Zeta Graduate Chapter in Morrisonville, North Carolina. And I'm also a state officer uh, with Zeta. So thank you so much for this opportunity to join you all this evening once again. You're welcome, Natalie. And thank you so much for coming on board. Um, now, I wanted to have you on board. I know you work with military. However, I feel like some of the work, maybe some of the questions that you can answer and maybe some of the um, um, thoughts and ideas and maybe some of the um, footsteps you can help us with, you know, because with our community, the vitiligo community, um, a lot of people think it's something easy to live with. You know, when you see yourself one way and then you look in the mirror and you start to change, it really affects a lot of us in many different ways. And I can say that because I was one, you know, Um, you know, and my skin is still changing and it's day by day, but I'm in a different place now, but not everybody's there, you know? Um, So can you give us the definition of PTSD? Well, PTSD is post-traumatic stress syndrome. 
uh, or some people will say disorder. And basically what it is in layman's terms, it is a condition. I do not like to use the term disease a lot or a disorder, but it is a condition that affects the psyche of an individual that has suffered something traumatic. And that traumatic thing that that individual has suffered could have been, uh, we hear a lot about sexual abuse. It could have been a very bad car accident. It could be something as what we would consider small, but large to the person that's suffering from PTSD. They may have gotten their shoestring caught in the escalator when they were five or six years old. And now they have a phobia, if you will, of going up escalator. Um, I'm that person that got the shoestring caught. So I'm very like, I actually, I have anxiety to this day. I just panic. I freeze when I get to the escalator. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing hopscotch or doing double jump. Like, should I get on? Should I get off? I don't know. And I won't even have any shoes with laces. But in my mind, I'm so traumatized from what I went through because it was nasty. I actually fell face first and had to get stitches and everything. So I, I, I have a little bit of PTSD with, not elevator, excuse me, escalator. It was an escalator. So, but yeah. So um, that's pretty much what PTSD is in a nutshell without drawing it out. It's an extreme fear of something that you have gone through in the past. And it's hard for individuals to get past whatever that fear they have gone through, that that can that matter they have gone through. Right. Awesome. Um, and, and that's that's what vitiligo I feel like does to our community. You know, um, it is traumatic to a lot of us when you see the patches because you don't know how much it's going to spread. You don't know where it's going to spread. Um, and I think the anxiety comes with the social aspect of it, you know, wanting to be out in public, wanting to do certain things. And then you feel like I can't do that anymore because I know, I know for myself going to homecoming, you know, I kind of backed away because, well, everybody knew me looking one way, but now you see my skin, I look totally different. And it's hard sometimes to have a conversation with somebody because all they look at is the skin. And I always tell people, your face gives it away, you know, whether you're comfortable or not, and then your body language, you know, and what happens, it affects the person that's receiving it. Um, let's talk about that anxiety. You know, a lot of us deal with different types of anxiety. Um, in your work, are there labels, not labels, are there different types of anxiety that you look at? Yes and no. And the reason why I say yes and no, um, I look at from mild to moderate to severe. And what I consider mild anxiety is like, okay, that person is, is having anxiety about a job interview. And it just doesn't overwhelm them for you know, a long period of time. So that's what I consider mild anxiety. The, the moderate could be that uh, you have an individual that goes through some type of anxiety attack, if you will, at least once a week about something. And it could be anything. It could be something that really stressed them out. Like, oh man, I didn't get gas and I got all this to do. 
and they just got a lot of things going on in their head and they just they start to panic so that can be moderate the severe anxiety is where you may have seen people to the point where they're they're almost passing out because of whatever it is that stressor has them that bad off and you may have seen somebody like well you blow in a paper bag to try to reel them back in that is a real severe form of anxiety where that person is just like they're completely losing it if if you will they may start sweating um some people become nauseated uh i have had a few clients to actually I don't like to say patients, I say clients who actually passed out. The anxiety level was that bad and they passed out because that blood pressure elevated to the point where it just, it just took them out. Um, I've also had some individuals that are diabetics that their insulin levels either dropped or went up very high. So those are your most forms, um, severe forms of anxiety when you have somebody like that. And when, when you have someone that has severe anxiety, they really should seek some type of assistance as quickly as possible. And I mean quickly as possible. It's not like you're going to be able to walk right into a therapist that same day. For some people, you just may. I recently started seeing some therapists saying walk-ins welcome or, you know, especially we're in the age of COVID where uh, you have a lot of video conferencing going on, which is safe, but that's what I'm doing more. I, I very rarely now am doing in-person visits since COVID and it's worked out great for me. It's worked out great for my clients because you don't have to spend that gas and go somewhere for 30 minutes. That probably took you an hour to get to me or what have you. Uh, but I suggest anybody that is really dealing with that severe anxiety, they get some type of assistance. I'm not a big advocate for prescription medications for that. I'm really not. And as a mental health provider, I do not prescribe medications. I just do not. Um, for a couple of reasons, I believe that there are some things that people can do without medications. And then two, I'm not licensed to prescribe because you have your psychiatrist who is able to prescribe and I'm a psychologist. So there's the difference between the two. Psychiatrists, they can prescribe. Psychologists, we do not. We, we talk things out. Uh, but if, if it's to a point where it has some other type of medical conditions and impact, and I feel that you need to be on some type of medications, um, just like, you know, if you, you are diabetic or you already suffer from high blood pressure and the anxiety is mixing in with a pre-existing condition, then yes, I would refer you back to your primary physician or your specialist along with Kate's notes to let them know, look, this is what we have discussed and this is elevating or could be a contribution to their uh, severe anxiety condition that they're having. And, and you know, um... I, I didn't talk a lot about, you know, what I went through with those who knew me. You know, you guys knew me since college, you know. Right. So um, going through, well, developing vitiligo um, and then going through uh, separation, divorce, it, I found myself in that severe category um, with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be around big crowds. Um, 
I couldn't go to Target. There was one time I was in Target and I, I'm trying to check out. And I, I think I had on shorts that day, I'm not sure. But the I felt like the world was getting loud and spinning. And I, I, put, I put my stuff down and left because I, I felt like had I stayed, I would have passed out. Um, and part of it was trying to push through, you know, with the spots on my legs and people can see it and people are talking and whispering and you got the one weird guy over here staring and, you know, all this stuff, it may seem minor to somebody else, but to me, it was, it was big. You know, when you see on TV sometimes where somebody may, it may be something small, but it seems like a monster. It seems humongous to them. That's how it felt to me. And then going into crowds, oh, it just... I couldn't do crowds for the longest. I would avoid them if I could. Homecoming was a crowd. Yeah. You know, a couple of times I can go and you notice I disappear. Once I felt that that the anxiety kick in, feeling overwhelmed, I was gone. And people didn't see me. Yo, Braxton, I thought you were gonna come around. I need to get away. Mm -hmm. But what what helped me out, um, and I'm gonna talk to you about this in a minute. Um, you know, I was going through separation and divorce, so I saw this divorce care program from a church. And, you know, I kept seeing the sign. I was like, all right, let me check out what this program is. And I went. Um, but it took me a couple of times to go in because I kept saying, nah, I'm good. I don't need this program. You know, I'm not, you know, I always start thinking, I'm not crazy. I don't need this. And and I walked in and um, actually there was a lady there that knew me because I used to, um, her kids used to be in my program when I worked for the YWCA. And um, she said, um, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I'm going through a separation and soon divorce. And, you know, I, I need some help, you know? And she said, you're in the right place. But I'm looking at all these other people like, yo, we all got the same problem, you know? Mm -hmm. But what it did for me, just to make a long story short, it gave me an outlet, like where I can really talk these things out, you know, um, share how I'm feeling. Because I feel like a lot of times we keep our feelings to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the more we keep it in, the more it builds and builds. And that was what was happening to me. I, I didn't share anything about what I was going through until I went to that program. And I went through it. Um, it was like a six week program. And after that six weeks, I went through it again. Cause I said, well, I think I need a little extra. Cause you know, I still wasn't ready. And then the third week, the third time I went through it, I just, I enjoyed it and it was free, you know, and get a chance to really interact with others that has something in common. And then I started working with a program with kids. So I was getting double assistance, double help. And I think it really helped me to step out of my shell. Um, and it still, it was a process. It wasn't an instant, hey, I'm here. Y'all see me, you know. But once I was ready, um, I stepped out. And uh, I was able to go into those crowds. I was able to, you know, go to the African-American festival by myself in the crowd, in the middle, and, and not feel that anxiety. You know, um, so what are some different programs that you would recommend just for people dealing with anxiety itself? Well, that was a very uh, good program and you was fortunate to be able to attend through your church. And that's definitely um, one thing I suggest and recommend if you have a community organization such as your church, but I'm going to talk about the church aspect of it and, and, and therapy in, in just a few, but the church can be one. Sometimes your uh, fraternal organizations, such as uh, the Masons and your Eastern Stars, they may have something going on. 
that will help individuals. And it doesn't have to be anxiety-based. And the reason why I say it does not have to be anxiety-based, it could be something that you are familiar with. So say, for instance, uh, the, the sipping paint. A, a lot of people, even myself, they are really into the sipping paint. And if it's something that's familiar to you and you're around some familiar individuals, if you start off small, and if you know there's going to just be a small group of people that you're comfortable with, that's the first, that's one of the very first steps you can take. Or even if you need to have one-on-one with you and maybe your best friend out in a public area, I'm not too public, but maybe something like, even if you go to Carabas and you get a small table, you know, it's kind of dim in Carabas and to, just to try to talk about it and overcome that fear. And, but if you really want something that is more, I would say therapeutic based, there are the groups that you can you can look through the websites and um, and some other places, Facebook actually, I'll touch on Facebook and a few too, but you can look on some websites and you can just look at various groups to see, okay, is there any groups geared towards whatever the issue that you're going through and having may be. So um, we've, we've heard things like Overeaters Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, that type of thing, just to give, you know, some examples. Uh, they, you know, they have sexual holic anonymous, different things. They even have one now for shopaholics. And it may have had one for years, but I just recently started seeing it within the past, I say six months in the Raleigh, in the Triangle area. So, oh, wow, I sh- that's something I should have went two years ago if they, they had it. Because it's an actual uh, condition. It, it is a condition. Um, you know, you're a shopaholic. And we, we hear about it people... Um, misappropriate funds for whatever reason every day. But what I want to go back to with the church part of it, we have to be very careful. And I know I may step on some toes, what I'm about to say, but it is what it is. We have to be careful when we go to our pastors, our bishops, our fathers, our reverends, whatever title, you want to call that individual. And the reason why I say you want to be careful when you go to them for counseling is if that individual does not have the credentials to properly assess and analyze and give you feedback and treat you, you do not need to be speaking with that person. I've had too many clients to come to me and say, Pastor such and such said I need to do this. And I just look at them. I just like, no, no. They told you that based upon what they would do if it happened to them. And I asked individuals, okay, are they a certified therapist? No. Have they taken any type of training to counsel you on said condition, problem, matter? No. So how would you trust this individual giving you instructions on your livelihood? It's your life when they are not properly trained. And nobody says that you have to have a a master's in the counseling or a PhD in the counseling, but they need to have some type of certification by an accredited program saying that they have completed X amount of hours and they are fully equipped to 
properly diagnose you on whatever it is that you're going through. And that's that's the biggest problem that I have with some individuals with with the church aspect of it. And that's why I said, I know I'm going to step on some toes, but it is what it is. If, if pastor or bishop or evangelist such and such does not have that training, you don't need to be speaking with them because they're going to give you nine times out of 10 what they would do if it was them. If it was me and I've had a client, say, well, they said if it was them, okay, that is if they were them, not you. Let's properly, let's, let's get you out of whatever it is they kind of brainwash you with and and let's properly assess and let's let's start a treatment regimen let's start a program because they they don't tell you some malarkey some old foolishness and then and then you out here in these streets if you will looking even more crazier than what you say you say you are let's let's not do that with those individuals so that's why we have to be careful with our our faith-based um counseling now we and you do have some um reverends and preachers like i said whatever the title may be there are truly are certified counselors and i'm not just speaking about pastoral counseling there's a slight difference with pastoral counseling than being a certified counselor to deal with mental health conditions and prognosis it, it is a difference Awesome. Let me, let me ask you a question. Um, and that was great insight into that because a lot of us feel like, let me go to my pastor first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how, in a sense, we were raised with that old fashioned, you go to the church, ask mm-hmm. the church and church is going to give you the right answer. And realistically, they don't always have the right answer, mm-hmm. you know, but let me go back for a minute and ask you about what are some of the signs Um that you may need some type of therapies, you know, whether it's like you said, some of the habits or something physically we can see or what what we're going through. Mm-hmm. What is it that that really that light goes off and says, "Hey, you need you need some help." Sometimes it is you won't be able to see a physical sign. Not saying you, the person that's going through it, but someone from the outside. That person that we heard saying. You know, they're smiling on the outside, but crying on the inside. That's very, so that person may put on the biggest, brightest smile every single day, go to work, carry out their functions, like nothing is going wrong with them. But as soon as they get in that car, they, they're going through. They're going through all day anyway, inside silently, because they know they have a job to perform. And, and some people feel like, well, I can't let this person know I'm not as strong as they think I really am. So they put on this persona. So sometimes you won't even see any physical signs if you're on the outside looking in, but the person that's going through is. But there are, of course, signs that for some people, you can see just a a change. You can see a change in the way they dress. You can see a a change of physical appearance-wise. You know, physically they, they may not just look well at all. They may look tired. They may look drained. You may see bags underneath their eyes. They look a little disheveled. They even their speech patterns may be a little bit different. They may begin to speak a little slower um, than normal, or it could be the complete opposite. They can start talking faster than normal and and just have all this big 
ball of energy that comes out of nowhere. So it can go on either spectrum. They can either be slow and disheveled or just do things that they typically would not do out of the norm. If you know this person, then this person is doing, is just being extra. Like, where, what, what's going on with you? Why are you being all this, using this extraness? That can also be a sign. They're definitely like, she can't sit down or he can't sit. What, what's going on? You know, sometimes you, you can see it. And not only is that an indicator of, it could be an indicator of depression or anxiety, that also could be an indicator of some type of alcohol or drug abuse as well. And you know what happens? A, a lot of people who go through alcohol or drug abuse, they're trying to mask that pain that they're going through, that they're feeling. So it can go either direction opposite ends of the spectrum. You can have somebody that's normally nice and, and they just spiraling out of control, just active more than normal. And, and you know, this, this is such a great conversation because although this is a vitiligo podcast, but a lot of people are dealing with things beyond vitiligo. Mm -hmm. And some of us were dealing with things before vitiligo. But once we develop the condition, we kind of say, oh, vitiligo has me feeling like this, doing this. and But sometimes it's, it's more than that. You know, we already had the issues and what happens, vitiligo elevates them. You know, now I'm more stressed and now I, I feel this way about myself because now I'm looking at myself and I don't like what I see. But some people didn't like themselves before that. Yeah. And I can't say all, I said some. So for our listeners, I'm not putting it on everybody. I'm just saying some. Um, but you mentioned, you know, people hiding and masking. That is one thing we're good at in our community. We're good at hiding and masking how we truly feel. I was a champion at it. <laughs> uh, I could be on the yard hanging out, you know, because um, about it, it, around 96, I started developing a bit of LIGO. So it was just small spots in my hands, but I, I was able to hide it. And I was actually able to mask it through hanging out with y'all, stepping and all that stuff. So people didn't pay attention. But as it started spreading, I remember one of the frats said, you know, I, I can't remember who I was dating at the time, but they mentioned, oh, she must be stressing you out because your hands are turning white. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow. Yo, and, and what it did, it took the attention onto my vitiligo where I was feeling good, but mm -hmm. now I'm paying attention to it because he noticed it, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and, and, I, and I struggled with it. I struggled with it until 2019. Um, that's why y'all would see me in and out of homecoming. Like, I'll feel good, go to homecoming. Um, I can party hop with you guys, have a good old time. And as soon as the music stopped, I'm like, oh, time to leave. Because now the attention is back on this, you know. Uh, and a true story, then I'm going to get to Facebook in a minute. Um, 2019, I went to homecoming. I was there. I was on the campus. A lot of y'all didn't see me. Because, and I mentioned it on another podcast, uh, it was a new guy, one of the new bros, you know, he walked up speaking to the old heads and got to me and his eyes got big. When I went to give him the grip, wow, it was the weakest grip I've ever had because I, I can tell he didn't want to touch me. And I get it. If you don't know what vitiligo is, then, you know, sometimes you fear what you don't know. But it made me feel some type of way. So I left the campus. I just told the other bros, I was like, I got something to do. I ain't had nothing to do. I just, it, it put me 
it set me back where I was feeling good and I said, I accepted this. And then it took me back mm. and I just had to leave so I can get myself together. And I'm like, tag, you know, I was enjoying homecoming and Lonnie called me up, you know, that's my boy, Lonnie and I, you know, we're like this now I'm like his big brother. He's my little brother. Um, you know, and he was like, yo, you come back to the campus. And I was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm just chilling, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't good, but I, I, I didn't want to say this is why I'm feeling this way. Well, I should have said something then, but I didn't. Um, but I want to go to Facebook, mm. the place we all can hide everything about us. We are wonderful. We're great. I took this wonderful trip. You know, I got this great job. Look at my new shoes. Look at my new car. And then behind the scenes, we are a mess. We are a hot, fiery <laughs> mess. An explosion waiting to happen. And, and you know what? And all it takes is that one comment somebody makes. That's it. That, that person. I've been that person who's had who has had that one comment and whoo! I thought I was going to be in Facebook jail. Mm -mm. <laughs> because I lit that person up literally right. on Facebook. And, and I had a fat one uh, frat reached out was like, Wow, now you okay? You good? Oh, I'm good. I'm I'm still, you know, it was like four hours later, but I'm still feeling in some type of way about that comment this individual said. And I don't even really recall what the post was, but it was about three years ago. And um, oh, actually, no, I take that back. It's been about close to two. And it was about my weight. Mm -hmm. And and for those that knew me within, I say the past 15 years, I, I was a fluffy person. I was fluffy. I was. I'm I'm not a, a ashamed to say I I had weight loss surgery in 2018 because if I didn't, I was literally going to die because when they went in and did the preliminaries, they found I was bleeding internally. I was hemorrhaging mm -hmm. internally, and they had to do some things. So. The weight loss, I had a vertical sleeve done and it really did, it saved my life uh, more than just one time getting that weight because I went from having high blood pressure, went from being a newly diagnosed diabetic to being on no med, I was on literally 15, 15 different medications where I am on only just one medication now. Um, and that's just really for my metabolism. And I, I, I was doing a comparison, if you will, because I still struggle with weight loss. That is one of my, still I have anxiety about that, my weight loss. Um, and I was doing a comparison pick of the way I was looking in 2014 versus how I look in then in 2019. And this one individual was just like, you know, it, it wasn't the nicest thing that she said it was a female of course um that had something to say that i i knew and um and, and she wasn't very very nice and it was a person that didn't go to straw it was someone from high school and they basically was just like i never would have thought you would have been fat as you were and that right and i was just like wait a minute you know and I, 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 I let her have it. I, I really did. I, I let her have it because just the word, you know, fat. We hear right. fat all the time. I don't like to use the word fat. I like fluffy. Yes, I was fluffy. I was. Right. Um, that set me off. But social media, we do. We 
it is a it is pretend nation as I call it. We pretend. We pretend we're happy. We see couples. Oh, they're smiling in the pictures. Oh, look at us. We're in Turks and Caicos. Hey. As <laughs> soon as they get home, they're ready to knock each other out. And we, we see it, we see it all the time. It is a pretentious world, a world of make-believe. We want people who is typically the, the strong one. We want people to continuously think that we are always strong. I am that strong person. I just recently was in the past year and a half learned that now you can't do everything for everybody. Let someone help you because I was so used to people coming to me for help. I was the person that did, hey, I'll help you. I, I'll bail you out of whatever it is. I'll do this. I was not used to the one asking for help. And I've been like that ever since I was a child. It's still, it's hard for me to ask for assistance with certain things because I don't want people to look at me in a different way. And that's the thing with social media. We, we can put on that mask and no one would never know until, unfortunately, something tragic happens to an individual and you find out, damn, that's what they were really going through. And it's unfortunate. You and I, we just had a, a Sora to pass um, the past three weeks. And on social media, you would not have known certain things was going on with this individual's life if you had not had a conversation with her or you didn't really know her like that. Um, and and it's, it's very sad. It's very sad that we should be using social media as a platform to promote better things than what a lot of us do. A lot of us is doing good, you know, advocacy work. Um, I, I'm starting to see a little bit more of, of people advocating for different things now than what I used to. So, right, right. yeah. And you know, what, what I find interesting with that, um, with Facebook, you have to use it properly. Like you said, the advocacy yeah. work, you have to use it properly. Um, it has, you know, being a part of VidFriends, that's our national organization that's hosting this podcast, um, it has allowed me to be honest with myself mm -hmm. because my first podcast, I had to talk about myself and my vitiligo mm -hmm. journey. And, you know, I'm like, whoa, 30 minutes about my vitiligo, you know, what do I say? But what I had to say was be honest, yeah. you know, about my struggles, what I was going through, what people didn't know. You know, I was good at hiding it. You know, I was good at, you know, being happy-go-lucky. I'm good. But, and realizing I'm not, you know, and I still have my days. I have good days, I have bad days, you know. And there's some people, like you said, on social media that even within our organizations, they are not just fraternities, sororities, but with good friends and other organizations, we put on this front that we're good every day. And just to be honest, we're not. I have mm -hmm. days tired. I have days I'm frustrated. I have days with somebody on Facebook ticking me off. You know, I've been called out by somebody in our own community, in the vitiligo community. Like she called me out. I was like, do you even have vitiligo? And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, how are you going to be on my page? I not even know I have vitiligo and I've got pictures with my hands and my right. legs and, right. you know, but that goes, well, what happens sometimes in our community, we feel like if you don't have it on your face, Mm. And you don't have it. And I do have it on my face. It's around my mouth, but I have facial hair. I can hide it. But I, I and it almost set me off wrong, like you said, because I'm like, how you gonna call me out on my page 
then look at my pictures. I have right. nothing to hide, you know, and that's where I'm at in my life. I have nothing to hide, but I'm not always happy. Some days I'm, I'm in the dumps, some days I'm frustrated, you know, and I wish as a community of people, not, not organizations, but as people that we're more honest with each other, but I get it. Social media says, I'm going to show you my best me. And this is me mm -hmm. all day, all the time. And it's not true. And it's not true. And you, and you stated correctly as a people, especially our beautiful black and brown mm -hmm. community. We don't have to continuously falsify ourselves and, and our lives every single day. And like you said, it's going to be days, it may be a week or a couple of weeks where you're just not your best self. And we have to learn to say, that's fine. That's okay. That's acceptable. We don't have to continue. Like I, I said previously, always have to be that strong individual. As I've gotten older, as soon as when I, honestly, when I hit 40, that's when I had my realization, like, you know what, Nat? It's okay to not be okay sometimes. Right. And how am I going to have therapy with individuals telling them these things to practice daily when I'm not even doing it my own self? So like you said, it's, it's, you have to look at yourself. You, it's it's self-acknowledgement. And we have to be accountable for what we we do um, on our daily lives. When I say we have to be accountable, that accountability of, of saying, I trust myself to feel this way because I can. If damn it, if I don't feel like being happy go lucky today, I don't have to be happy go lucky. Right. I don't have to, to be a jerk to anybody if I'm not happy-go-lucky, but you have a right to feel the way, whatever it is that you're feeling at any given time, and no one can tell you any different. And we, we a lot of people, we look to social media for validation. And sometimes I, I we've heard, I'm pretty sure, the, the word trolls, social media trolls, like that individual that asked if you even have an LIGO, a lot of times those are trolls because they are looking for that one post that they can try to get validation and popularity out of in life. Absolutely. They're looking for that one post. They, they, they just like, as we call it, they're looking for that lick. I got them. I found that post. And right. you would have people literally spend hours they're supposed to be working now but they're on that social media and i find it more on facebook than instagram i have a love-hate relationship with facebook because of the long-winded posts i mean you can put some long-winded things on instagram but you know the format is completely different than you know what it is on on facebook and the interactions is, is different so on facebook you have individuals like that because they're not happy with themselves nine times out of 10. Absolutely. So hey, you know, that validation is, it can work in your favor and as well as against you. And, and two is how you respond to it. That is mm -hmm. very important because I, I've had that on, um, I, I can't remember, Jamel had posted something and I was responding to it and somebody else responded to me. And, and I 
And I think he was trying to draw me into this combative conversation. And, and basically what I said was that, you know what, you are entitled to your opinion exactly. and I'm entitled to mine. And we're going to leave it at that. I'm not exactly. getting into a back and forth with you. You know, I say, I never said what I said was a fact. Mm -hmm. I said, this is my opinion, yeah. my thoughts. You can't tell me my thoughts and opinion are wrong. I didn't say this is a fact. I didn't say this is, I looked this up and here's the statistics on this, you know, and, and I, and I think, you know, with Facebook, it, it really, sometimes it will set you up for that. Yeah. And, and too far are people out there when you're going through stuff, you know, whether, uh, and I want to say this earlier, don't beat yourself up because we can yeah. be our worst enemies. We will beat ourselves yeah. up because we didn't do this or we don't have this. No, just I always say on my podcast, make sure you love yourself. That's important. Where you at, you know, regardless of whether you have this or don't have this, if you lost this job, to still love yourself, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I, I, I get it. I understand it. You know, we are a society based on status. We're based on this and that. Mm -hmm. But just like you got it, you can lose it. That's right. And then you have to figure out what do I do with my life now? You know, either you allow it to make you or it will break you, you know, mm -hmm. and that is your choice, you know, how you handle it. But I also feel like it's important to have a good support system around you. That is one of the most important things, too, is, is that support system. Right. And you have to learn who your support system really is. You have to, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's somebody that you just met six months ago, but you have this, this bond with them that you know, okay, this is somebody that can be in my support circle, as I call it. My support circle can consist of this person. And you may have that friend that you've been knowing for 20 years. Well, you just met them. How do you know? Da, 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 da? You, you know when you know. You Absolutely. know when you know. And it, that same person that has been your quote unquote friend for 20 years could be that same person that stabbed you in the back. Now, let me say something, Natalie, real quick. Um, and this might step on some toes, too, and I'm okay with that because I feel like we need to just be honest with each other. Even your Bible-quoting people are not your friends. Sometimes they're your enemies. Remember, even the devil can quote from the Bible. And there are people that I feel like they would throw out a Bible verse in a heartbeat to make you feel some type of way. Yeah. But you got to know you. You know, mm -hmm. and um, and you really have to, I feel like use that intuition to know whether this person is someone that you should be with or should not be with, should be around or should not be around, keep at a distance. I could work with you, but I can't, you know, you really have to figure all this stuff out for us, for that ourselves. That discernment is something. That discernment right. is, is, is strong. It's definitely strong. And, and like you said, you got some people, they, they'll throw that scripture. Okay, I know the word too. Right. Okay, and I've told some people, I said, and I, I have people to say, well, you're you going you gonna to go to hell. And I said, you're going to open the doors for me, honey. <laughs> and I know our listeners are probably saying, wow, they don't get this conversation to hold another level. No, it's all relevant because mm -hmm. all the stuff we're talking about can bring on that stress, the anxiety, yes. that PTSD, all the stuff that we're talking about, mm -hmm. we talked about in the beginning. All these little things can build up to that. You know, as we said, it could be something small. Yeah. The shoestring. That shoestring. That shoestring, yep. just like I, I, 
I can go to the mall now and I see that escalator. I, I would stand there and people would be like, um, ma'am, are you going to get on? And I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> Just go ahead. Let me take a breath before I get on that escalator and, and go where I need to be. But it can, it can start off. Something is my new as a shoestring, and it can just build up to something else right. and, just, and just spiral out of control. But so, so yeah. Natalie, real quick, uh, what are some as we're going or encountering these situations? Let's say you and your shoestrings. What are some things we can do immediately to help us conquer that fear for that moment to get on the escalator? Uh, always take a deep breath. If you have to, just like you did, you know, a homecoming, if you have to remove yourself from that situation, do it. Do it because you don't want to have a full scale anxiety slash panic attack when you can avoid it. Remove yourself if you have to. Take some deep breaths and, and recenter yourself. And one thing you can do when you recenter yourself, think of something else. I don't know. My thing, I love bunnies and sharks. Yes, they two totally different opposite things, a bunny and a shark, it's just me. <laughs> think about, if you want to think about bunnies jumping in a meadow or, or dolphins or something, focus your attention on something that makes you happy. And as you're focusing on that, that happy place, if you will, go towards whatever it is. So for me, right before I get on that escalator, I had that brief moment of fear of when I was like five or six years old, but I step away from it and I just like, just close my eyes and just breathe in and out a few times. And I just recenter myself, think about bunnies as I'm walking to that escalator and I refocus my attention on getting to where it is that I need to be. And I'm okay. Now, I may not go back down that escalator. I may take the stairs or walk all the way around the building, but you have to find what works for you at that moment. So it's, it's, it's some things, um, like I said, you know, recenter yourself by focusing on something that can make you happy or make you laugh. Really is make, think about something that's going to make you laugh. Um, and remove yourself. Take a few deep breaths before doing whatever it is that you're about to do that is causing you that anxiety. You know, it's funny. Um, what I had to do was tackle my fear head on. A couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped wearing shorts for a long time. That was one thing. I stopped going to the pool, stopped going to the beach. Mm-hmm. Lottie invited me to go to Jackie, Sarah Jackie's um, Aquazuma. And I was like, I'm not going to Aquazuma, man. Ain't you know, dudes going to, you know. But Lottie <laughs> was like, all right, if I go, will you go? Mm-hmm. He said, because I don't want to be the only guy. I said, I don't know. I said, Lottie, I don't get in the pool like that. I tried to avoid it. Mm-hmm. But finally, I said, oh, okay, I'll go. So I went. And I knew I was going to have to wear trunks, you know, but I wouldn't take my shirt off. I was like, nope, they're going to see all my vitiligo. I, nope, I'm not doing it. So I got in the water, but I felt like, I felt foolish because I'm the only one, you know, well, it was only two dudes, me and Lonnie, but still I had on my shirt and, you know, the shirt's floating up and everything. I'm in the water trying to do all the Zumba stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm not coming back. But then Lonnie asked me, he said, hey, man, I'm going next week. I already paid. You, you want to go? I was like, no, nah, I'm good. He said, I'll pay for you. Come on, man, you're going to put me in this situation. <laughs> so he paid for me, so I had to go. Uh, you know, I'm not, not going to do my brother like that. So I went, but tackling that challenge head first, you know, to take the shirt off, to get in the water, it was hard, but I did it. And once I did it, I was like, you know what? This is okay. And um, I went to the beach for the first time in, a, in 
about 15 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I went with Jackie's group and, um, and I, and I said to myself, okay, this is the challenge. Cause that means I have to be in that beach with my, um, I have to take my shoes off cause vitiligo is all over my feet. So my feet are white and you know, I'm, I'm light skinned, I'm white, I'm everything. And then they're trying to get a tan, you know, all this stuff going on. And also to take the shirt off, but I'm looking around, I'm like, all these people and everybody's got some issue out here. You know, everybody's got something that they're not comfortable with. Yeah. So I took the shirt off. Like, you know, I had a great time. We had a good time at the beach, but the biggest challenge was going to that festival I told you about earlier. I said, okay, I called Jackie. I said, do you need help? Cause I was going to go to the festival mm -hmm. and I went by myself, but I said, okay, my, my, my escape was asking Jackie, if she needed help to work. She said, yeah, you can work this shift, whatever. So I'm like, all right, cool. I said, okay, I'm going to wear my shorts. I wore my sandals. I'm going to show off my vitiligo. I don't care. I'm going to do this. And I had to kind of prep myself and talk myself through it. Mm -hmm. Pull it up because I know me. I will pull away in a heartbeat. I will go back home. But I said, no, I, I can't. I, I, I promise, Jackie, mm -hmm. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do this. So I walked up, and I'm still prepping myself. You got this. You got this. You got this. And I saw all those people. I was like, dang, do I go in or do I go home? I said, I'm going in. I have to face this. And I did. I was all in the crowd hanging out. And, you know, I helped Jackie with her booth and I saw some people I knew. And um, then I'm walking to go get something to eat. And then Lonnie hits me up like, yo, you on the front page on Facebook for W, it was a WTVD 11. I'm in the crowd and they got a picture. Mm -hmm. And here I am walking through the crowd and he spots me. Wow. And I'm like, yeah, dude. But for me, it was tackling a challenge, being around all those people by myself, because sometimes I would rely on other people. And I said, I got to do this myself. I have to. It, it was hard. I'm going to be honest. It's not easy because, you know, some people think, oh, that was easy. I just, no, nah, I'm going to admit it was hard. Mm -hmm. You know, instinct says turn around and leave. You know, too many people, you know, and I don't like a lot of people, never have. Um, but it's it's something I had to do. And I feel like for our community, for the vitiligo community and other people, you know, sometimes you got to tackle your fears. That's you right. have to face them head on, you know, whether it makes you cry, whether it makes you scared, whatever, you still have to tackle them. You know, um, so in doing that, right, and, and I got a couple more things and then we're going to wrap things up. Um, in tackling those fears, the things that you find that scare you the most. Um, I know we talked about breathing and finding your happy fa happy place. Um, what are some other things that we can do to really help us uh, like face those challenges? Exactly what you did. Take that 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 leap that leap of faith, and it's not going to be easy for everybody. Mm -mm. It's not. It's definitely. It's not going to be easy. Uh, it's easy. For us, that's not going through those types of fears. Everybody has a different type of fear, something mm -hmm. that they're willing and they're willing not to do. And a lot of times we have to just go ahead and tackle it, whatever it may be, head on. Because you, do you want to continue to live in that fear? Do you want that fear to continue to have power and domination over your life? for the rest of your life. And if you have children, do you want your children to also have that type of fear? 
you know, mommy's not going to get on an escalator because she got a shoestring called when she's <laughs> six in Macy's. So we never will have the chance to know what an escalator's like with her. No. Um, try to tackle it, but baby, baby steps. Right. I suggest doing maybe something once a week, just like you said, with the, sh the, the shirt off. Try walking around the house with your shirt off and have some mirrors strategically placed in different places. And each time that you go past that mirror, you're looking at yourself. Don't look at yourself as a person that has a, a condition. Look at yourself as a person, period. Absolutely. You have to look at yourself. Because my thing is, man, forget them, forget people. And it's easy. Once again, it's easier said than done. Forget people who's looking at you and whispering about you. Own it. Own it. Own it. I and and you know, I used to be part of a weight loss group and you know, we actually it was called the Fluffy Chicks Fun Club. That's what we called it. And I've seen some of the prettiest and, and baddest plus size women I have ever seen. And one thing they taught us, and I still um, teach everybody to this day, own yourself, own your confidence. Absolutely. Because you have you have to be confident in yourself. And who cares if if what you're, they whispering and saying anything to you? Are they paying your bills? Nope. Are they are they putting clothes on your back? Nope. So those are the day like forget them, own it, love love yourself like you've never loved yourself before. Because if you expect somebody else to love you wholeheartedly, you have to love yourself wholeheartedly first. Absolutely, always say that. People watch how you love you, and then they take notes from you to figure out, okay, this is how they love themselves, so I should love them that same way. Right. You know, you got to set the, the tone and the example. Um, now, in 2019, I told you I, I struggled with my bit of life for quite some time, um, the hiding and all that stuff, but I decided to seek out a support group. Um, locally, I called up Terrell Midget, who went to show with us, and I've I was been like, Terrell for a while. We was in high school together, in love. So we oh, you were in love with Terrell? Yeah. And you know what? I knew Terrell since uh, high school because he was always at Athens. Yeah. And I always thought Terrell went to my high school because he was always at my school. Uh, I didn't know Hill, you went Mill to and Marcus. Yeah. yeah. All wow, of us was in wow. high school. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Small world. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah so I reached out to Terrell. And he was like, hey, brother, come on. We got a uh, program in Southeast Raleigh. And I was like, what? You know, I went. It, it was hard at first because I always felt like I don't need a support group. I don't need a support group. They would give me cards and I'll put them in my pocket. I had like three or four of them. I was like, I don't need a support group. And I went and I walked up. I was like, I found my family. This is, this is my family, you know, because I always felt like I was the only one. I knew Terrell, you know. But I always felt like I was the only one with vitiligo. Because mm -hmm. our world, although this is a big world, I can go a whole week, two weeks, a month without seeing anyone right. with vitiligo. And then I might run into, you know, somebody here or there. But I just felt like it was me. But when I went to that program and I saw all the other people, I was like, wow, you know, there are more people like me with the same condition. Yeah. And it was great being a part of it. And so my journey has moved pretty fast because I started off as 
joining the support group to shortly after that becoming a leader for North Carolina. So it's myself and Katrina Christian who are the leaders for the state of North Carolina now. So people that need support with Vitiligo can come to us. That's awesome. And then from there to um, hosting the podcast, to being on the board and, you know, teaching art classes, all it, like, it has moved so fast. And I'm like, man, I remember a couple of years ago, I was that dude who didn't want to be a part of anything. So our last topic I want to talk about, the benefits of being a part of a group. I know you mentioned the ladies group that you went to and how, how they really helped you out, you know. Um, so can we let's talk about that real quick. Like, what are the benefits? That support. Going that to support. One, yes. that's, that's, that was one of my biggest things being in that group was the support and just being able to be embraced by others who had some of the same feelings and thoughts and going through the same struggles as you were made me, like you stated earlier, feel like I wasn't the only one. I'm not alone in this. It's other people that's going through the same thing. And sometimes people that's going through it worse than what you feel like. You're like, oh, wow, they really got it bad. I, this is nothing. So that that group to me, help me get back to who I used to be. Because I had stopped loving myself for a, a while, for a long time, because I just felt like people was looking at my size. They had stopped looking at, they and, and people who've been knowing me for 30 plus years, they still remembered me as being a small person. That person in sixth or seventh grade that was at size 10 and that's I'm like I moved on you can't keep looking at me as that person then I've changed you help me some of them have changed I've had kids and they're not the same size I told one person I was like you know you you you, you talk about people being overweight I'm like you you're the size as a as as a SUV so I'm just saying you can't talk about me Look at you. you and that, that group really taught me how to go back to loving who Natalie used to be and accepting who I am. It didn't, it, and, and in that group, no one said that you had to remain overweight. We were all trying to get over being overweight, but in the meanwhile, how to deal with what we were dealing with in our daily lives as being overweight women and it was a group for overweight uh, black and hispanic women we welcome you know all races and nationalities but it was a group that was just designed for us because once again in the black and brown community we don't talk about mental health issues as we really should and, and okay. so it helped me out mentally physically emotionally uh, and financially, because I was able to get off some of those meds I was on, some of those anxiety pills. And, you know, prescriptions is not cheap, even with a copay. And things are just not cheap. So it helped me out in a lot of different ways. And I don't regret it at all. So for our listeners out there, you know, um, it is important to be a part of a support group. And I always say, you know, find what group fits you, you know. Um, there are a lot of groups out there, you know, from Vit Friends to GBF to Be Strong, you name it. There are so many different groups. 
but you have to find what fits your personality fits your lifestyle fits what you want from a group and then you know get involved you know um i know sometimes we'll join a group and you'll never see the person they just join but they really don't come around but i say get involved when you're ready because sometimes we're not mm -hmm. quite ready to be present uh, but once you're present join the group interact um, share your story. Be honest with what you've been through, what you've gone through, or still going, still dealing with. You know, share those things. You'll find out that we all have more in common than what we think. Um, and Doctor Nat, I know our time is almost up. Can you give us some some words of encouragement, something positive to share to our listeners, and then we'll wrap it up. Sure, sure. Continue to be your authentic self, no matter what. Because if you're not authentic to your own self, how do you expect anyone else to be authentic to you? And just keep striving. You'll be fine. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Nat, thank you for joining me on this show. I greatly appreciate it. And I uh, truly hope that someone out there, we may not even know who it is, but somebody will hear our words and realize that, you know, people do care about them. People do love them. They love themselves. You know, they realize there's a family and they're not alone on this journey. You know, we are here. So, you know, if you're listening, you need some help, you can reach out to me. If anybody wants to talk to Dr. Nat, you can reach out to me and I'll send you her information. Um, that's how we do things. One big family, you know. So I greatly appreciate it, Natalie. Thank you. Once again, it's a pleasure. You're welcome. Yes, great conversation. So for all of our listeners, you have been listening to Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. Take care. Make sure you love someone, but most of all, love yourself. This podcast was sponsored by My Vitiligo Team.